0: Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jenny Rerick. The goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors you can use to improve the way you show up and perform at work. I'll sit down with communication experts and professionals across different fields to uncover what effective communication looks like in action so you can apply to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting Communications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Check out the show notes for a link. Welcome back. Today, I'm joined by John Vautier, and we are going to cover a topic we have not yet covered on this podcast, and that is going to be listening skills. Listening is something we do every day. Professionally, it's especially important because it allows us to get the information we need from others that help us be successful, achieve the outcomes we want to achieve, and also foster relationships with the people we work with, whether those be internal or external. John, thanks for joining me today. Hi,
1: Jenny. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited to speak with you and listen with you over today.
0: (laughs) Yes, Let's start off, I want to set some context for everybody who's listening. What are some of the specific scenarios that you find listening is especially important for professionals?
1: Yeah, I'd say, Jenny, most often it's one-on-one feedback sessions. So this could be if you're a, a senior leader or a manager and you're having an interaction with a peer or colleague, or you're having those conversations up in the organization. And you may not manage people, but you may be managed by somebody. Then I would say planning, new projects, strategy sessions, when you're talking about new ideas or new concepts, new initiatives. And then the third is is those of us who deal with folks outside of the organization. So we look at this from a sales perspective, client interactions, customer interactions. Anytime we're having those conversations with people that may not know our world or our business, critically important, we dial in the listening skills.
0: Those are three important scenarios, is there a common theme that you can identify as to why each of those feels especially important for us to be active listeners?
1: Yeah, I think they're all outcome-based. And so as we have any of these interactions, whether it's our one-on-one feedback sessions, those strategy, project planning calls, or any of those client and customer interactions, you're looking to accomplish something out of those. Maybe it's fact-finding, it's learning new information, Potentially it's learning about how are you doing your role? How how is your performance up to up to par with others within the organization? But they're all searching for some type of outcome. And we have to be able to listen in order to manage or accomplish those outcomes.
0: Mm. Before we talk about a couple of specific listening challenges and how we can approach those, in your coaching professionals on listening skills, what's one or two common misconceptions? you see amongst professionals when it comes to listening?
1: Yeah, I'll give you two, because I, I this is a unique question, and we get this fairly often. First, people often assume that listening just means agreeing, and they say, well, if I listen to somebody or I listen to a new idea, it means I agree with that, correct? And that's not necessarily the case. We can listen, and we can still have a different point of view or disagree with what's being shared or said. Second one is I hear people say, well, so-and-so John is just good at listening. And I'm I'm not that way. They were born with that skill. To me, I don't think people are necessarily naturally good at listening. I think they do certain things or have characteristics that allow them to be effective, but it's a muscle and a skill like anything else. And we've got to practice and get repetitions and then be intentional with how we manage that skill set.
0: And that sounds similar to what we say about speaking skills is some people start further along on the spectrum of effectiveness than others, but the potential we have is no different than anybody else. It's just a matter of how much effort are you willing to put in to make improvements.
1: Correct. And I think it's it's been fun the last two years rolling this program out because people think about becoming effective communicators and they sometimes pass up on this concept of listening. And it's so important that we know how to listen well so that we can become our best selves when we communicate. Those of us that don't listen well often struggle with the ability to speak well.
0: Mm. And John's referring to our listening skills program, which we launched during COVID, and it's been a big hit, and it's something we've been getting lots of requests for because people are appreciating, even in the virtual environment, how much more important it is to be able to listen and capture That information so that it can be acted on and we can craft narratives around the work that's being done that allows work to continue to move forward. I want to turn our attention and highlight three common listening challenges that we all face and how you suggest we might approach them so that those people that are listening can walk away and have some tangible things to act on. The first is Listening when you disagree, can you talk to us a little bit about why it is difficult to listen when we disagree with someone?
1: Yeah, usually it's, dis- it's difficult because we have something that is challenging us in terms of our viewpoint about what's being shared. And so part of our coaching is encouraging keeping an open mind. When we listen, we want to make sure we remain as curious as possible because all this allows for us to understand is that hopefully we've got something to learn we may not fully grasp what's being shared and that's potentially why there's this barrier or maybe a speed bump or a roadblock. But with that said, we've got something that now we can learn and potentially decide, hey, I do agree with this or I have an open mind because I've now heard something I didn't necessarily know prior. I also think, Jenny, it's important when we do disagree, we have to get the other person to continue to speak. And so as we do this, it's really just utilizing open-ended questions the who, what, where, why, when, hows of questioning. But if we can get someone to share with us in more depth, usually that will help or allow us to open our mind a bit more. And then maybe we change our mind on that disagreement. Like I said earlier, just because we are listening doesn't mean we have to agree. And there may be times when we listen and we disagree and we've done so politely. And at the end of that conversation or or interaction, we still feel like we have a level of disagreement, but we've done so respectfully.
0: I love the way you phrase that. And often what I found and in running this listening skills program, what we've heard from other professionals is often when we disagree, we're motivated to, for the other person to listen and hear what we have to say, because we believe that we're right. But if we want to receive that from the other person, often we have to be the ones to go first. If we want someone else to listen and be open to our perspective we have to lead the way and first be open to and respect their perspective as well. And that's what you're saying is give them space to talk to you about the details of where their perspective is coming from, their experience with it, why they believe this. And we can use those open-ended questions to get them to give us that information so that when we deliver ours, we can find some of that middle ground and hopefully move, move forward in some way that we can respectfully agree or disagree.
1: Yeah, and it's it's perfect timing, Jenny. I know you follow Adam Grant. I follow Adam Grant. And just before we hopped on today's podcast, he posted something and he said, I'll quote it here. That's my opinion and I'm sticking to it, is a self-limiting way to live. He said, people who never let go of their views never evolve. Growth is not just about embracing new ideas. It's also about rethinking old ones. Refusing to change your mind is a decision to stop learning. And so again, it ties back into maintaining curiosity, keeping an open mind and figuring out what more can I learn based on this interaction that I may not have known prior to coming in. Hmm.
0: Scenario number two, or the common listening challenge is going to be listening when you're distracted. We have lots on our to-do lists. We often find ourselves multitasking or at least trying to multitask. And often many of us now try to both listen while we're working on something else. Can you talk to us a little bit about the struggle that many of us experience when it comes to trying to listen while also being busy with other things?
1: Yeah. You're just not giving your full attention to either or both of whatever else you're trying to manage. And so this concept of multitasking, in theory, I understand people say, oh, I'm a a good multitasker. Oh, I can manage multiple things at once most human beings are not able to put their full capacity or full attention at multiple things at one time. So when I hear people who say, John, I I get distracted often when I listen, what are some tactics to use? Or how can I approach or overcome this? I usually tell people a couple things. One, take notes, take notes, hard copy, take notes electronically. I just worked with a group this past week, and many of them have what's called a remarkable two. And it's a new electronic device and new, I say new, it's maybe one or two years old mm-hmm. now, but it's an electronic device that takes notes. You can, you can jot down and it's hard copy writing, but it's on a, on a tablet, so to speak. So it looks a lot like an iPad, but I was fascinated by it. And it allows you to save things, move them to PDFs, but it keeps you in tune and in the moment with what's being shared if you're in a meeting or a session or something else. I like to tell or encourage people, quiet your distractions. This means phones on silent, maybe put phones off to the side, minimize the outlook window if you're in the middle of a meeting so that you're not tempted to respond to that email real quick or try and read this email really fast. And then I I like time blocking, Jenny. I think time blocking gives you an opportunity to hopefully be proactive in the ability to manage distractions. And you say, okay, from 7 a.m. to 7.45 a.m., that's my time block to dedicate to checking and responding to emails. Then at 8 a.m., I'm moving into three one-on-ones with three peers or colleagues, but I'm giving my dedicated attention to those 30-minute or 60-minute sessions, whatever they might be.
0: Solid tactics. The other one I'd like to add is about the nonverbal skills and how important it is when someone is speaking to you, sharing information with you, that you go out of your way to show them how much you're listening. Can you talk to us a little bit about what good listening physically looks like?
1: Yeah, I like to tell people mind your nonverbals. So it's what are we doing with our eye contact? How are we maybe nodding or smiling or giving any facial facial recognition if you will. And this means if you're doing things virtually, turn cameras on. Very challenging to see someone on the other side of the screen if the camera's inactive. And then it's the body language, right? Not closing ourselves up, not crossing our arms, not keeping barriers, if you will. And these are usually barriers in terms of appendages. And it's, I put my hand in front of my body or I put my arms across my chest or my hands across my lap. Some of these closed off positions end up looking less approachable, less engaging, less confident than we'd like. And a lot of people don't realize that we are often communicating with others when we listen, we're just doing so non-verbally and the person that is doing the talking is usually able to read those nonverbals and then decide where things go from there. We don't want to send mixed signals. And if we're looking for a, a effective one-on-one sharing feedback situation, but we look closed off, we may not get as much out of that as we could have if we opened up some body positions or minded our nonverbals.
0: That's right. Because if they perceive us as being closed off, that might limit what they're willing to share with us because they don't believe we're fully paying attention.
1: Sure. They think Jenny's busy right now. I'm only going to give part of this, or I'm not going to give the need to know. I'm going to share a little bit of nice to know information. And then you leave the interaction and that person thinks that really wasn't time well spent. Mm. And in some cases it's not time well spent because of what you did and not so much of what the other person may have shared.
0: Mm, Well said. The final listening challenge we're going to talk about is listening when the message is hard to hear. What immediately comes to mind for me is a scenario that you mentioned earlier, when Maybe you're receiving some critical feedback in a one-on-one conversation. You are in a scenario in which you know it's best for you to hear what needs to be said. But as you're listening, maybe you find yourself becoming defensive, looking for a way to disagree in some way. Can you talk to us a little bit about that scenario?
1: I think first and foremost, you have to acknowledge that that defensiveness or want to justify is likely going to occur. It's best when you start to feel that happening, you start to feel that bubbling up, manage it, become aware that it's happening, and then try to quiet some of that internal dialogue that you're hoping to get out. Because at that point, what you really want to do is just stay silent and hear what's being shared. There's going to be time for you to ask clarifying questions, and I think those are important. Again, I'd encourage keep those open-ended. But if we ask closed-ended questions, we're gonna get closed-ended responses and that doesn't give us a great deal to actually work with or actively work with. And then really it comes down to mindset, Jenny. In our programs, we like to coach and talk about this growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. And hopefully those of us who can embrace that growth mindset can realize there is something to be learned about receiving feedback that might feel critical or might feel challenging in certain situations. And even if it is hard to hear, we have to acknowledge that, okay, some information I'm receiving or some feedback I get may not be well-received from me. That's okay. What can I do with this information? How can I learn from it? How can I use this as a stepping stone? How can I use this for experiential purposes? But having that growth mindset allows us to really, again, stay curious and figure out what can I do with this information that allows me to become more effective.
0: Mm. And a tactic We talk about that can support listening, being a good listener when the message is hard to hear is what is referred to as reflective listening or paraphrasing. Let's say, John, you were delivering me some critical feedback. I find myself becoming defensive. To mitigate that defensiveness, what I would do is after you share that critical feedback with me, I'm going to simply repeat it back to you in my own words to be sure that I'm capturing the essence of the message you're sharing with me, not only is that going to show you that I'm listening, but me sharing it in my own words allows me to internalize what's being said and that take priority over that defensiveness that might be, as you said, bubbling up.
1: Yep. And it also allows for clarification. It allows for maybe filling in some of the gaps because at some points people realize when you play back and you've given your paraphrase, I think to myself, hmm, I didn't do as good of a job as I would have hoped in giving it the first time. And it just gives people a redo. And I like to say, encourage that redo, because it's not necessarily you did it with, with ill intent the first time through. You're just now hearing it through the lens of what they just listened to. And you say, OK, that wasn't exactly what I was meaning to say. Let me clarify or let me rephrase. And that, that back and forth sometimes is helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. If you were going to give advice to those listening to this episode on one thing, one specific thing they can start doing today that would help them be a better listener, what would you recommend that they start doing?
1: Back to what I said earlier, mind your nonverbals. I think that's very easy, low-hanging fruit that all of us have complete control over. But what am I doing with my eye contact or where am I looking when I'm listening? How am I managing my hands or body language? And then are there things that I may be doing that are allowing for positive reinforcement from a listening perspective, or the things that I'm doing that I can maybe be aware of and say, okay, I'm gonna avoid crossing my arms or avoid not looking at people when they're talking with me, not turning my head to them as they share information. For those of us that live on Webex and Zoom and Teams, encourage putting the cameras active. Even if you're not playing a role in speaking, it might be beneficial for you to have some accountability and put your camera on, even if you know you're on mute and you're just playing the role of listening. Like we said earlier, the speakers are often getting that feedback from us through the nonverbal lens, and that's helpful for them to be able to decide where they want to go with those interactions.
0: That's what we've got. John, I was hoping you could take a minute here and talk to everybody about the listening skills program that we now do offer. We've gotten tremendous feedback. It's a virtual program. If you could share a couple of details about that in the event anyone on here is interested and they wanna bring this type of training to their team, they know what it's about and how to get in touch with us.
1: Of course. So first and foremost, we start with really defining what is listening? What does active listening mean? And then why does it feel difficult for most of us? Then we dive into what are some of the listening blocks or listening obstacles, as I call them, that may pop up or get in our way as we go through the listening process. It's really focusing, Jenny, on becoming better listeners, not perfect listeners. And we, we like to tell people, I don't think perfect is realistic in in the regards of, of listening. And so it's important that we understand how can we start to become better each and every time that we have these potential situations, both in our social situations and in professional scenarios. We do a lot of activities. So we do quite a bit of breaking out in small groups or pairs, and we do it virtually. This is a program that can be delivered in person as well. But virtually we are able to apply some of the listening techniques that are acquired throughout the course. And those application pieces take place in those breakout rooms. So people and partners can practice the skills real time. And then we've got videos and resources that, again, help highlight what makes effective listeners effective. Most listeners who do listening well, it's not by accident. And there's very intentional pieces behind what's happening and why they're doing it.
0: The common feedback I see coming through after participants take that program is how much they enjoyed learning about who they are. As a listener, we have them take a listening self-assessment. There's quite a bit of group discussion and reflection on how they currently show up and what they could do to improve how they show up.
1: Yeah, it's a fun course. And I've had countless people who said, John, I had no idea how often I tended to ask closed ended questions. Now that I know what I know, I'm going to start using a more open-ended approach as I have these interactions. So really things that people can leave with immediately as the course finishes and start to apply again, both personally and professionally.
0: If this sounds like a course you'd be interested in bringing into your organization or for your team, everything is on our website, which is www.vauteercommunications.com. You can find the program on the group programs page, or you can just visit the contact us page, and we will give you a call to talk about it. John, fantastic information. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: Thanks for listening to the Speak as Well as You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications, and I am your host, Jenny Rerick. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communications. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website, www.vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Thanks for listening.